Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we do every day from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Big Monday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not telling Joe Biden to get out of the 2024 race. No, ma'am, check it out. David Axelrod, top confidant of Barack Obama, tweeting that it's time for Biden to go. Come on, man. We will explain uh, a new poll. That shows Biden is losing to Trump in five of six battleground states, although he continues to lead Trump in the state of dementia. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of today's Big Monday episode. Stuart Varney is going to be here. Fox business legend, Uh, he moderated uh, the last presidential debate. He will give us a look forward at the next one that is coming up here right quick in the Republican Party. We're also going to talk with Tommy Lahren and get into some of the protests that, i got to be honest, got a little chaotic in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, defacing monuments, trying to scale the fence at the White House, leaving uh, blood-stained hands, or at least the image of hands on the White House gates. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. you got to be a mutter, man. You know what they say. If you want to make it in horse racing, you got to be able to run on a sloppy track. Well, if you're going to host a nationally syndicated talk show, uh, you got to be a mutter, girlfriend, because that track is getting sloppy and sloppier every time we get on the air. There it is. So 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the show. It is a show with one rule. I am not an activist. I am a talk show host. I care about the country, but I'm not here to manipulate the way you to vote. I don't need you to see it my way. You could agree. You could disagree. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a... There it is. Happy Monday. Great weekend. Uh, hanging out with the Fela family out on Strong Island. I am back on the road this week. Saturday night, you will see me in Utica. If you're listening on WIBX, myself and Kennedy will be at the Stanley Theater doing the damn thing. So if you're in the hood, you're up in the 315 area code, any of those surrounding areas, gas up the Yugo. Come hang out with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fela. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Well, I will tell you this. Top Democratic strategists not digging the latest poll numbers for Joe Biden. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. This is fascinating stuff. And uh, I own a politics to English dictionary. It's kind of my superpower. And I will tell you that the poll that came out over the weekend, it's a New York Times and Siena College poll. It shows Trump beating Biden in five out of the six key battleground states, that being Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania, by margins of three to 10 percentage points amongst registered voters. Now, why is this significant? Because if you remember the run-up to the 2020 election or even the run-up to the 2016 election, 
they were wildly underrepresenting Donald Trump's support. In every battleground state that threw the election to Biden in 2020, he was beating Trump in every one of those states by five points, 10 points, 11 points. And then election night came and every one of those states was decided by one point or less, meaning a lot of those poll numbers were inflating Joe Biden's support. Now, if that's the same metric we're going by this time around, it would mean Trump beating Biden by five points or 11 points as he is in Nevada probably means he's beating Biden by about 15 points in Nevada. I agree with that. And I don't doubt that Obama does, because over the weekend, we got a David Axelrod. Okay, he is a former advisor to Obama. He's as close to Obama as they come. You dig like if O.J. had like an Al Cowling's. AC and the white Bronco with him when he was driving down the highway like you do when you totally didn't kill your wife and you have nothing to hide and you just go on a ride down the 405 with the gun to your head. I mean, you know, time was that's what you did when you had nothing to hide. (laughs) But anyway, uh, if OJ had Al Cowlings, Obama had David Axelrod. So if David Axelrod is tweeting that it's time for Biden to really think about the 2024 election, that means Barack Obama is telling him to really think about the 2024 election. Tell him like it is. Here is the tweet, okay? It's very late to change horses. A lot will happen in the next year that no one can predict, and Biden's team says his resolve to run is firm. He's defied conventional wisdom before, but this will send tremors of doubt through the party. Not bedwetting, but legitimate concern. This is Axelrod responding to the New York Times and Siena College poll. The POTUS is justly proud of his accomplishments. Trump is dangerous, unhinged demagogue whose brazen disdain for the rules, norms, laws, and institutions of democracy should be disqualifying. But the stakes of miscalculation here are too dramatic to ignore. So this is Axelrod. He's saying that Trump's the worst guy who ever lived. Wrong. Okay, but agree or disagree. Okay, Axelrod's position is he's roundly condemning Trump. But he's saying the stakes are so high going into this election that you might not want to put a guy on the ballot who makes the sign language interpreter shrug. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Understand, if you are the sign language interpreter and you were in charge of a sign, you didn't have one for true international pressure. Correct the mundo. You didn't have one. Okay, but anyway, here's the rest of the tweet. Only Joe Biden can make this decision if he continues to run. He will be the nominee of the Democratic Party. What he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it's in his best interests or the country's. Folks, that is Barack Obama's top advisor. And if he's out there saying, you know, Biden's really got to think this over. Don't get me wrong. I know we'll give him the nomination, but these polls are too big to ignore. If that's what he's saying, that is what. Obama is saying bingo. Okay, and it comes at a time where Politico is running an article that we'll get back to a little bit later in the show. But Politico is flat out saying, well, as it turns out, uh, the Bidens were not honest with the American people when it comes to their business dealings overseas. Are you the big man, Joe? This Politico article points in the direction of saying, yes, yes, he is uh, the big man. Okay, the political article Oak says, says fresh revelations contradict Joe Biden's sweeping denials on Hunter. Hunter's a dirtbag. And let me be very clear. Okay, I am not here to demonize anyone's addiction there, but for the grace of God, go all of us. 
I mean, you've seen me on TV. I'm clearly battling some type of an addiction to carbohydrates, <laughs> some kind of ad- addiction to salt and cheese over the weekend. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> pizzas. But when you try to paint the Hunter Biden saga as a father's love for his child or someone struggles with addiction, you're completely missing the point of what James Comer is investigating and preparing to issue subpoena after subpoena in regards to. And that's the fact that the Biden family was very aggressively selling access, okay, selling interest in our government, using Hunter as a proxy to pay Joe. Okay, we're now sitting on actual checks from Jim Biden to Joe Biden. We're now sitting on actual bank records from China and CEFC over to one of the shell companies of the dozens that they were running on the Hunter Biden side of town. We're sitting there with a 10 percent deduction in money that was sent to Hunter payable over to Joe. That was the allegation. The allegation was Joe Biden is the big man. 10 percent of all overseas profits are set aside for him. We now have that paper trail. And if Politico is reporting on it, you understand this is one of the outlets that was killing the Hunter Biden story in the run up to the election. No different than the New York Times, no different than the Washington Post. Every big media outlet killed the Hunter Biden laptop story because they had a motivation to do so. They were trying to get Biden over the finish line. Well, now we're in a situation where they don't even want Biden in the starters block. So they're starting to report a little more honestly about the things they covered up in the past. The media is a bunch of losers. It really is very disingenuous. But any way you slice it, okay, this newfound interest from the media in getting rid of Biden, this sudden piping up from David Axelrod about getting rid of Biden, okay, they are telling you, based on the poll numbers they're looking at, Obviously, they don't want Donald Trump to be president again. They don't want any Republican to be president again. That's how politics works. Okay, but the reality is just about anyone running would beat a guy named Joe Biden who's barely walking. So when you start to see political pipe up, you start to see David Axelrod pipe up. Okay, you start to see all of these operatives in the media suddenly show interest in getting him off the ticket. It means behind the scenes, they are going bananas right now in terms of Biden. Okay, they want no part of him running again, and they have a very tight window to get rid of him. You know, when you're sitting in the church and the preacher says, if, you know, anybody objects to this couple getting married, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. We're in the pews now. Okay, the harpist is playing. Over at the catering hall, they're putting the finishing touches on the ice sculpture, you know, making the fancy cake. The bride's primping up at the tippy top of the aisle. The organist is about to speak. And someone in the back row just yelled out at the groom. Get him out of here. Get him out. A show so good, people don't know what to think. This feels weird. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun, though, isn't it? Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And I'll tell you, if you follow this show day in and day out, you know, every once in a while, the producer of this show, just likes to flex a little muscle, just likes to show the audience what kind of power broker he is behind the scenes, bring in a level of guest that will truly wow the audience. But more importantly, 
I think, demoralize other radio producers. So they go, how we didn't have this guy on the top of the hour. How, do, how did they get him? But, but joining us now is that very trophy booking I speak of. Stuart Varney is in the studio, and the crowd goes wild. Hey, Stuart Varney. Greetings, Thaler. What can I do for I you? I mean, your radio currency. Oh, you've already done what you can do for me. I think my producer is getting a raise as we speak. You can probably cut your mic and leave. I mean, your work here is done, sir, but it's good to see you. The man with the golden mouth. What can I do for you? You repeat. <laughs> Stuart Varney. Uh, listen, uh, I, I wanted to get you in studio. Because one of my favorite things to do with you on your show is to talk to you right before we go live. We have like a quick catching up about all it things, and we just had one again here today. We did. And I want to deal the listener in on this, okay? The very basic analogy I handed you when you walked in was we're sitting in the back of the church. A couple's about to get married. And in this instance, the couple is Biden and Kamala are going to marry the – they're going to renew their vows with America. But people in the back of the church are starting to get a little mouthy over whether or not we should walk back down the aisle. Are you getting my sense that this is a rambunctious ceremony we're about to attend? Yes. (laughs) The Biden-Harris team cannot win. I mean, that's just a fact of life. And the Democrats know it. Yes. And heaven knows what is going on behind Mm -hmm. closed doors and on the phone lines all across this weekend. And it started Uh with that New York Times poll Mm -hmm. that thumped onto the ground Mm -hmm. on Saturday morning. Yep showing that in five battleground states, Trump beats Biden by a margin Mm. above the margin of error. Yeah. In other words, if the election were today, Trump is the president because he he, he gets the Electoral College votes. Now, when that poll emerged, I mean, that was like a five-alarm fire ringing in in the the Democratic halls of power, so to speak, Mm -hmm. because they realized they've got to get him out. Yeah. But they don't know how to get him out. (laughs) How do you get a a sitting president with an incompetent vice president? How do you get them both out? Yeah. There is no way you can do that short of persuading him somehow or other. Yes. Maybe Jill Biden comes into play here. You know, Uh honey, (laughs) your day is really, you you shouldn't be doing this anymore. That's what it will take, persuasion. Yes. Because there's no way of firing a sitting president. Yeah, and it's it's a fascinating time in history because many families have had to have the complicated complication, uh, you know, uh, conversation about taking away grandpa's car keys. But now you're taking away grandpa's <laughs> nuclear codes. Like, <laughs> this is a far more advanced conversation. But something you mentioned off the air that I think makes this, uh, you know, even more precarious is that they have to get rid of both people on the ticket because the polling yes. also shows that Trump would beat Kamala even worse. Yep. So they don't want her on the ticket either. Can you imagine... What level of of food fight is happening behind the scenes? We're not going to see it. We'll probably read about it in five years. But would you say it's pretty chaotic back there? Oh, chaotic. And (laughs) I mean, I mean, I don't quite know how to describe it. But I'll tell you this. In my opinion, the worst national security threat Mm -hmm. at this moment in time Mm -hmm. is President Harris. Mm -hmm. If our President Biden is incapacitated, heaven forbid, Mm -hmm. for any reason, whatever, Mm-hmm. It is President Harris, yeah. and that is an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. What do you think the Chinese would do faced with President Harris? Oh, wow. What do you think Putin would do faced with pre- the Mullahs? Yeah. What would they do? Yeah. They'd instantly see America as thoroughly weakened mm-hmm. in every section of our society, yeah. and God knows what would happen. What a- but that yeah. is a scenario which mm-hmm. could happen yeah. unless the Democrats move real fast. Fast. Come on. It's how do they do it? I don't know. I mean, can, can, you, can you unpuzzle this? Well, how do you get rid of a sitting president and vice president in well, one fell swoop? Well, I'll tell you how you start, okay? You get Barack Obama's top advisor to start <laughs> tweeting that it's time for him to go. Yes. And you can see the wheels of that little revolution starting to spin. Because if David Axelrod's tweeting it, 
Barack Obama's thinking it, at the very least, would you not say? Oh, yes. Suddenly, Barack yeah. Obama appears on the scene. Uh -huh. He's the guy who wrote that AI executive order, you. you know, mm -hmm. on contract. Well, he was working yeah. with the president for five months. Mm -hmm. And now, all of a sudden, he's expressing opinions on Israel-Gaza. Mm -hmm. And he's out there. Suddenly, he's prominent. I think that he's lining up Michelle. Oh! To walk in, maybe Whoa. at the last minute. I mean, f consider mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. We get to the conventions next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. The Democrats have their convention, they've got their candidate, and they've got the vice president. Mm -hmm. And they know they can't win. Mm -hmm. So quietly, Biden says, okay, we're out of here. Wow. Go someplace else, mm -hmm. in comes somebody else, mm -hmm. and that's not major trauma for the party. Yeah. For the country, yes, but for the party, no. Oh. They will have a candidate by next uh, convention. Wow, so here would be my only question, because that's brilliant. That's why you book Stuart Varney, not just so your producer <laughs> so gets what's a raise. Your, what's your question? What well, have I done is, wrong? This, no, I think you're spot on. I wonder if she really has, and maybe this is how you fixed it, she doesn't have to do as much retail politics if she doesn't join the ticket till next summer. Right. Because I don't think they have the appetite to go do that, because they're living good right now. There's, she's she's wildly money. popular. Yeah, of course. I mean, and I think the party would love her. Yep. And I think, obviously, that becomes a liability for Trump. You see, I think looking at the election as presently constituted, Trump beats Biden handily, beats Kamala handily. But I think politics has a way of making everyone a prisoner of the moment. And I think the Democratic strategists know to think beyond this moment. I don't think, you know, faced with these polls, they're yeah. like, oh, well, buckle up. The, the writing is on the wall. Yes. And when Axelrod came out and said that mm -hmm. or tweeted that, whatever he yeah. did, it, that really tells the whole story. Yeah. He's a very powerful guy. Mm -hmm. He's the guy. Was he the campaign manager for Barack Obama? Yeah. So, a very high-level advisor. Yeah. He's the guy who essentially put our first black president into the Oval Office. Yep. That's enormously high standing within yep. the party. So when he says, uh, Joe, it's time to move on. Wow. That really means a lot. Yeah. It just has impact like nobody else could have. Yeah. Unless it was Barack Obama saying time to move on. No, I mean, but that's, that's what I mean. It's a tough advisor. No, and they, they would say that, that Obama is like the Stuart Varney of politics. <laughs> like as D.C. goes. As D.C. goes, Stuart Varney. Flattery is the mother's milk of radio and television. <laughs> you stop <So>. it. <laughs> uh, they, the listeners should know I will be making an appearance on your show tomorrow. I don't, you don't know this. Don't tell security. But, but I'll be on your TV show tomorrow. <laughs> In the 11 o'clock hour. It's just one of my favorite things to do because I feel like people benefit now more from conversation than ever. Just just talk but, about it. But what, mm -hmm. Let me just ex yeah. say something. Mm -hmm. What you bring to the table on my show mm -hmm. and your podcast mm -hmm. is originality. Well, thanks for that. You're, you are, you're, yeah, yeah. you're not derivative. Mm -hmm. You're not passing along the views of someone else. Mm -hmm. You always have a fresh take, yep. which is exciting and real. Yep. You're original. Mm -hmm. Originality no. Doesn't grow on trees. Certainly not in the media business. <laughs> no, ma'am. Doesn't. And Stuart, I just want to say it. this. Well, thank you. I really thank you. And you read that exactly the way I wrote it down. So uh, <laughs> yes. I will Venmo you the money. <laughs> It'll come out of my producer's raise, and I will see you tomorrow on the radio. Stuart Varney, ladies and gentlemen, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> thank I mean, you, we Jimmy. might as well take off the rest of the show. Done. <laughs> It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A couple of laughs being had over here in the studio. So we take stock in the media week that's about to ensue. One of the funniest things that happened on TV yesterday. Okay, so if you're going to go on the Sunday shows on cable news, 
basically as a representative of either of political party. If you're on the Republican guy, if you're a Republican surrogate, if you're a Democrat surrogate, before you go out and do the Sunday shows, uh, people will usually prepare you with, you know, what's probably going to come up based on what the party did this week. Here's a you know good example of an answer you could give that might kind of turn the story our way or make us seem confident where we might look weak, things of that nature. There's a lot of strategy is basically what I'm trying to tell you is long before you get hair and makeup, you get a lot of guidance from the party leaders. This is politics as usual. Very much so. Okay, but understand, Saturday morning when this New York Times uh, Siena College poll drops, it shows Biden losing every key state. So the essential message coming out of the Democratic Party is... And basically, anyone getting put on Sunday morning TV is tasked with, all right, how are we going to spin this? Because there's not really a good way to spin it if you happen to be in the Joe Biden business right now. Okay, it's not to say you couldn't turn around. It's not to say, you know, they, they couldn't find some type of deliverable for the voters that would make people rethink him. But as it's presently constituted, you don't look at Joe Biden and go, oh, no, 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 no. This is the guy. Okay, this this is the guy. This guy's got another four years at him. Come on. Don't bullshit me. No one thinks he does. So when the surrogates are tasked with getting out there and making the case in the face of these overwhelmingly bad polls, you realize it's kind of an uphill battle. So what they decided to go with, and I just think this is one of the funniest things in the world is like John Carl over at ABC flat out said, (laughs) and he was sure to bash Trump, okay, but he also made the point to say, you know, that we're in a situation where people aren't really paying attention yet. You know, Biden's losing in every key state, but it's because people aren't paying attention, you see. No, babe. Okay, Biden's losing in every state. Just being honest with you. Because people are paying attention. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. They're paying attention to their bank account, where the core price index has gone up pretty much every month of his presidency. It's going up at a slower rate now, but it's still going up. So when they tell you inflation is down, inflation is down by growth percentage. But in terms of what you're paying for goods, it's still up. Okay, that's reality. That's true. That is true. Okay, they look at the border being overrun and the record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths and all the unrest in our streets right now. People are paying attention. 70% of the country thinks it's headed in the wrong direction. If you're the guy in charge of the country, and make no mistake about it, he is in charge. I keep forgetting I'm president. But he is president. Okay, and if 70% of Americans think the country's going in the wrong direction, then that is very much a reflection of what they think of the current guy behind the wheel. And that's reality. So when you hear Carl say, well, they're just not, you know, they're not paying attention. Okay, that's him basically saying, I don't have an answer for this. We're screwed. That's what he's really people are. Of course, they're paying attention. Okay, Jasmine Crockett was on CNN. Okay, and she is a Democratic representative from the great state of Texas. She goes on CNN. CNN is the worst. And here she tries to say that Biden is losing with black voters because they don't understand how any of this stuff works. What the hell did you just say? Now, she is a person of color herself, I believe, unless she identifies as something uh, beyond her, her skin color. But reality is, okay, that is the most infantilizing and insulting thing you could ever say to somebody. 
Okay, it's no different than the attitude the Democrats have around voter ID. When they told you asking black people to show a government ID was worse than Jim Crow when it comes to denying people access to the polls. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. Jim Crow on steroids. That is a fact check false. But you think about how infantilizing that is. How insulting and demeaning it is to a class of people to say asking them to get a government ID, something everyone has, like everyone. You can't open a checking account. You can't drive a car. Okay, you can't board a plane. You can't pick up tickets at a ball game. There's nothing you can do in polite society without showing a government ID. He knows what he's talking about. So when they try to portray the black community as some type of 2023 lesser than who's not capable of getting a voter ID, okay, number one, they're insulting that community. Number two, they're weaponizing race in the absence of facts. The left weaponizes race whenever they're losing an argument. But do you realize how condescending that attitude is? Here is Jasmine Crockett explaining why Biden is losing the black vote. Clip 27. While the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again, not understanding that that really came from Congress. Mm. So we've got a couple of things, the perception issue. And then we also have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding exactly how any of this works. Oh, shut up, woman. I mean, seriously, though. So she says, well, you know, it's their feelings. That's what they're going with. But it's not their feelings. It's their facts. If the price of gas is $2 higher than it was when Biden took over, okay, yeah, you could say your feelings are governing your opinion towards Joe Biden with the feeling being every time you go to the gas pump, you feel like you're getting screwed. You know, if you look at the situation in the southern border that's resulted in a record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths, yeah, you feel like things are headed in the wrong direction, okay? Just the same as you feel like hell when you're buying groceries right now and they're 70%, 17% higher across the board. Biden is such a disaster. But at a time when we're sending literally, you know, over $100 billion to Ukraine, I, you know, you could convince me that it's people's feelings that are defining their opinion of Joe Biden. The problem is the facts look even worse than their feelings. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Okay, he's in a bad spot. Okay, and the reality is it is a reflection not on people being too stupid to understand civics. You know, when she spins to that non-answer, we've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again. Not understanding what that really came from Congress. I don't even know what she's referring to. I have no idea. Is she talking about stimulus checks at the end of the pandemic? I don't even know the answer to that. But believe me, if someone's support is dropping with Joe Biden, okay, it's not because of what Trump did. It's because of what Joe Biden didn't. Okay, Joe Biden didn't secure the border and make America a top priority. Joe Biden didn't preserve your energy independence. Okay, when Joe Biden took office, gas was two dollars lower. Now, it was artificially lower because of the pandemic. Demand was down. 
But the fact remains we were energy independent. We were a net exporter, a net exporter of production of energy here in this country, which meant it was a lot harder for places like Russia and Iran to get rich and subsidize a lot of the chaos they're now waging on the world stage. Okay, it's what Joe Biden didn't do. We had a border policy in place that had cut illegal border crossings by 80 percent. This guy got in, stopped building the wall, rescinded Title 42, rescinded the Remain in Mexico policy and opened the floodgates to the biggest humanitarian crisis we've ever seen in our country at the southern border. Guys, this is bad. I'm not saying it is like some Republican guy or some like Fox News going to get you all worked up and mad at the Democrats. Yo, that's not my job, man. I am not an activist. I am an inactivist. But the reality is when they go out on the Sunday shows right now faced with poll numbers that show, I mean, if Biden were, you know, on the ballot and they were voting today, Trump would have 300 electoral college votes, 300, which means what would we do at that point? We'd go back to petitioning to abolish the electoral college. They'd tell you the thing was stolen. The machines were hacked. How do I know that? Because that's what they did the last time they lost. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. (laughs) (laughs) Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. You are so full of s***. It's so funny. Because, again, that's every prominent Democrat saying the 2016 election was illegitimate. But if a Republican says it now, they're like, they're undermining faith in our democracy. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. But that's how they get get it done. Okay, we don't get out there in the political arena now and debate ideas. That's not how this works anymore. Now it's more about, you know, just assassinating the character of the person on the other side of the aisle. Nobody talks Um, anymore about the issues. No, they simply just. This man is for toxic drinking water to kill your children. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty, I, think, I think Johnny Carson said it best in 1986. Nobody talks anymore about the issues. Yo, that was 1986. But that's the reality of right now. Okay, is it's down to character assassinations. But now we're in this other place where they're also assassinating the character of the voter. When Jasmine Crockett says, well, his support's down because people are stupid. They don't know any better. They don't understand civics. Dude, I'm used to negative campaigning. Okay, I covered the 2016 election. You ever seen such negative campaigning in your life? Dirtiest campaign I ever remember. Ever. Okay, but understand. Okay, we're used to negative campaigning, but we're used to the negative campaigning against the candidates. This is the first time in our life that they're now campaigning against the voters. Like, it's crazy. But as it pertains to the 2024 election and getting Biden off the ticket, as Stuart Varney was saying earlier, they're in a really impossible position. They can try to make a go of this and say, yeah, the Republicans are racist. They're bad. Vote for Kamala, something dumb like that. But the poll numbers show that people are past that. They don't care about pretend racism. It's not to say they don't care about real racism. But after four or five years of 
screaming and yelling that everybody in the Republican Party is a Nazi. Okay, the Democrats have kind of lost that lane to run on when half of their party is openly supporting Hamas. Okay, when you've got this massive percentage of Congress and, you know, elite liberal education chanting in the streets the sentiments of Hamas to eradicate the region of Israel from the river to the sea, it's kind of hard to call the other side Nazis if your party is out there taking the viewpoint that the Nazis held. That is correct. So they're in a really tough spot. Okay, if they want to run Biden again, again, you know, I understand it's hard to get an incumbent off the ticket. But the problem in the age of identity politics is they not only have to get rid of Biden, they have to get rid of Kamala. You know, if you run on everybody's a racist but us and then you try and pull the first female black president off a ticket, you're kind of really kneecapping your argument. Jimmy is in northeastern Pennsylvania. He thinks he has the answer. Jimmy, did you just figure this out for the Democrats? Well, maybe they could try and get Kamala on the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. They missed their chance when Breyer retired. They could have got her on then. (laughs) So so you're saying if there's an opening in the court right now, the answer is you put Kamala on the court as like a face-saving gesture and then you clean house with the ticket? Yes, yeah. I mean, it it would work. Uh, You know, the challenge is someone either has to retire or slip on a banana peel. You know those, yeah, you know yeah. those banana peels that are always on the high-rise hotels when people are running against Putin in Moscow. Oh, God yeah. just fell out a window. So weird. That's what that's what you're saying would have to happen. That's heavy. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or get you know Sotomayor or somebody to decide to retire. But she's a little young, but I, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, the reality is they're in a really tough spot because the behind the scenes yeah. they don't want Biden to run. People are really screaming and yelling about this. It's like an ongoing war, and we'll read about it in five years. You know, when someone writes the book of like this is what really happened. But in the meantime, yeah. they have to keep a straight face and sell this thing. And uh, you know, if they do make a move and get them off the ticket. Absent a Supreme Court opening or something like that, I don't know what they would do with Kamala because it really would crush him. But if you keep dreaming up strategies, Jimmy, you could probably make some good side money in D.C. if you want to be a consultant for the Democrats for a few months. Oh, no, that's okay. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, if they send you any bucks for this phone call, I want to cut just for airing it. Okay. Oh, okay. You're the best, brother. Have a great day. The great Jimmy in northeast Pennsylvania. He says maybe they stick her on the Supreme Court. Uh, You know, there isn't currently an opening, but that is the type of off ramp they need in this moment, because, yes, Biden sucks. But the other problem is the vice president is polling worse than he is. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) The critics have spoken. You do that again and I'll break every bone in your body. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America, your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Tommy Lahren is back on the show today. She's fired up. She's going to talk about the protests over the weekend and the goings-on at college campuses where some of the biggest billionaire donors are not going to write checks anymore. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. It's pretty much what Bill Ackman is saying to Harvard. He's saying he has no confidence in leadership at Harvard right now to combat the anti-Semitism on campus. I got to tell you, man, 
could be the one thing that gets this under control. Because the truth is, every college, when you look out there, okay, pretty much supports any type of campus activism as long as it doesn't affect their bottom line. Like student loan forgiveness would be the best example. People are always like, you know, wow, that's crazy. You would think they'd go after student loan forgiveness at least. They'd tamp down those protests. Wrong. No, because the truth is it's a scam. Like the colleges are still getting paid in full for these loans. They're not forgiving them. The government is just paying off the loans on behalf of the people who took them out. So essentially, you might not have taken out a loan, but your tax bill is now going towards paying for one that you didn't take out. Thanks, big government weenuses. But the reason the protest is allowed on campus and they don't even try to tamp that down is because student loan forgiveness is a gift to colleges because it takes no extra emphasis and places it on the reason there's so much student debt in this country, which is the soaring cost of tuition. Okay, you can pay off $10,000 worth of loans for some people. Maybe it helps them in the long run. I know it doesn't help the taxpayer who gets screwed. But the reality is the person who benefits the most is the college itself because we're not addressing the root cause of massive student loan debt, which is people taking out two, three, four dollars $400,000 loans to study in an area or field that doesn't even have a commensurate job program. So they're charging you $300,000 so you can study three-spirit giraffes. That's not right. I mean, especially when you're trying to get a job with that degree afterwards. So that's the bigger scam. But when you start to hear the donors say, yo, we ain't cutting no checks no more. Okay, that gets the college's attention. Because if there's one motto... At every one of these Ivy League schools that has nothing to do with hate has no home here or coexist or anything about tolerance or inclusion. When it comes to colleges, the only motto they live by is if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Bingo. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is, girlfriend, and we are ready to go. Big hour coming your way on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're home for top shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. A stampede of stupidity all across the globe right now. The protesters continue to march in places like London and D.C. College kids going bananas, defacing monuments echoing the sentiments of Hamas. It's really a disgusting time. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. It really is. But uh, compounding all of that for the guy currently in office is a new report from Politico that says the Bidens were not honest, specifically Joe Biden, about his overseas business dealings. He should be behind bars. Now, it doesn't say that. But uh, this is a very noteworthy about face from Politico that we're going to get into in this hour. 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. We'll get into the protest and stuff going on in Israel and everything in between. But the politics of today. And Monday is always a fascinating day, fascinating day in media for me. Because it's a day when I, I get into the building, uh, you know, maybe do a TV hit or get on the radio and do a lot of reading to get up to speed. And you really do see the collective psychology of Washington on a Monday 
in a way that you don't see on other days of the week. Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, business as usual, and they're working, you know, long con on the agenda items they happen to be pushing. But Monday, uh, the media landscape is uniquely positioned to respond to whatever happened over the weekend, and everybody is right there living in that moment, right there in the media starting blocks. You know, Friday, forget about it. You know, that's when they dump the slow news or the bad news and everybody skips town early. You know, if you know anything about Congress, it's because they got to see their side chicks before they head home to the mom, you know, or the wife or whatever the hell it is. I mean, these are a lot of dirtbag people. <laughs> it's a lot of it's all drugs and hookers in D.C. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But right now, uh, with bills to pay, uh, everybody got into town this morning. Faced with the reality uh, of two things, okay, one I mentioned in the previous hour, which is that David Axelrod, a top advisor to Barack Obama, tippy top, okay, tweeted that Biden should think long and hard about getting out of the race. Okay, there are some people defending Biden. I mean, I'm not going to say he has no support. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I don't know that anybody's claiming they could do that, but the point is Biden has some support But there's no more powerful or instrumental figure in the Democratic Party than Barack Obama. And the fact that his top advisor is talking about Biden getting out of the race in response to a New York Times Siena College poll that says it's time for Biden to go. okay, that is very much a sign that there is a battle taking place behind the scenes right now. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. But some of that battle is spilling into the open Uh, open day, open light of day, because Politico, and this is an about face for Politico, one of those outlets that was instrumental in killing the Hunter Biden laptop story in the run-up to the 2020 election, Politico now running a piece that's titled Fresh Revelations Contradict Joe Biden's Sweeping Denials on Hunter. The subheadline reads, the president hasn't been shown to have committed wrongdoing, but... A political review of recent developments cast doubts on several statements. Do you understand what's going on right now in the Biden camp? I got a bad feeling about this. They got a real bad feeling. Okay, because you got political surrogates, top advisors to Obama saying this guy's got to go. And now the traditional media outlets that would normally run cover for a guy like Joe Biden are going, you know, he lied about all the Hunter Biden stuff, right? And what is that designed to do? Okay, that's designed in the court of public opinion to start building a consensus case to get Biden off the ticket. If this is going to happen, the threshold, the ballot cutoff, okay, for a new candidate to get on the ballot in all 50 states is quickly approaching. In some areas, it's already passed. So this would require Biden flat out dropping out and the party doing a top down replacement effort. Okay, but the reality is they don't want him running again. Okay, the polling shows him losing five of six battleground states to Trump. And now the political report shows this. Okay, here it is. Of the many disputes that followed the leaking of Hunter Biden's laptop contents, one of the thorniest has been the case of the April 2015 dinner at Cafe Milano. Emails from the cache suggested that Hunter hosted a dinner in a private room at the Tony Washington restaurant that included both his father and an executive from the Ukrainian power company Burisma which had appointed Hunter Biden to its board. An email from the executive dated immediately following the dinner. Thank Hunter Biden for the chance to meet his father. Oh, oh, wow. 
Now, understand where that starts. Joe Biden famously saying, I never spoke to my son about his business dealings, never made any money off of it, never met any of his partners. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader? If that's what happened. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the presidency to try to do something to smear me. I mean, wow. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> it's Joe Biden in 2019. I have never spoken to my son about his business dealings. Okay. He went out to dinner with his son and an executive from Burisma, which was paying his son $100,000 a month. And when Biden was asked on the campaign trail about his son, what did he famously do? Well, you should ask Trump why he was shaking down a foreign government by threatening to withhold aid. I mean, who does that besides Joe Biden, who said this is vice president? I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. Wow. Okay, that's Joe Biden openly bragging, openly bragging that he withheld government aid from Ukraine until they did what he wanted them to do. That is totally absurd. But that's what he did. And you understand, in this Politico article, why is this Politico article running? It's no differently than why is David Axelrod saying it's time for Biden to get off the ticket. This is not new information. Okay, what's new is the agenda that's attached to this information. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Straight up, okay? You could have reported months ago that Trump was beating Biden in battleground states. You could have reported three years ago that Joe Biden met with Hunter Biden's business partners and was getting a cut of the money because Hunter Biden's living, breathing business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, a man who was a veteran who served this country, put his name and face on the line in the run-up to the 2020 election and said, oh, yeah, they were selling access to the president. Biden was getting a 10% cut as the big man. Are you the big man, Joe? His business partner said Biden was the big man three years ago. So you could have been reporting this three years ago. You could have been reporting it two years ago. You could have been reporting it a year ago. They're reporting it now because there is a behind-the-scenes effort being made to get Joe Biden off the ticket. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Okay, here is uh, from the article. This July, a former Hunter Biden business partner who was present at the dinner testified before the House Oversight Committee under penalty of perjury. Devin Archer said that the Ukrainian executive did dine with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and several others at Cafe Milano in April of 2015. A Politico review of recent congressional testimony and exhibits, along with court filings and media reports, casts doubt on several statements made by Biden and his representatives. They include the president's claim that he has never discussed his relatives' business dealings with anyone and his suggestion that the appearance of emails apparently belonging to his son was the result of a Russian plot. 
as well as Biden's denials that his son made money from China and that his relatives have profited off the Biden name. Do you understand? This is Politico flat out saying, okay, a review of recent testimony and exhibits, exhibits meaning bank records, meaning copies of canceled checks that Biden received from his hunter, from his brother Jim Biden, okay, exhibits, okay, testimony, okay, court filings, media reports, they all cast doubt on Biden's version of events. So you understand, this is not new. It's not new, okay? We knew they were lying three years ago, okay? The director of national intelligence at the time said the Hunter Biden laptop was real. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, after the New York Times and the Washington Post had successfully killed the Hunter Biden laptop story with the help of 51 former intelligence officials who put their names on the record saying it was Russian disinformation, knowing full well that it wasn't Russian disinformation. That's just how white folks will do you. That's how they did you. But when the election was over, what did the Washington Post and the New York Times do? They admitted the laptop was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. So when you see this type of information, information that is not new, being reported as if it is new, they're telling you that there is a behind-the-scenes effort being made or at least given permission to go ahead with. Okay, the DNC and the media are the same thing. The media is basically like a surrogate of the Democratic Party. Okay, and you can say that about Fox. You get people like to say, oh, Fox News, they're just in the tank for the Republican Party. That's what they're doing over there. Wrong. How many times in a given week will somebody like Trump take a shot at us? How many times in a given week will some other Republican get mad at the way we've portrayed or articulated one of their comments or maybe disagreed with them? The reality is for real. If you watch Fox day in and day out, I will openly confess to this as the host of a nationally syndicated talk program here on Fox. Okay, it's on Fox Nation, it's on the radio, it's on the app. You can listen to it on the Fox Sports America website. Okay, we absolutely positively are in the tank for one party over here at Fox. That party is America. Freedom! Okay, we don't need you to vote Republican. We need you to care about the country. We need you to care about your freedom. We need you to care about minimizing the government's footprint in our lives. That's what we're here to do on Fox News every day, okay? We don't say ban somebody's ideas. We don't say we won't engage you in a debate. We very well want to get into the idea battle because we are confident in our principles, okay? On the other side of town, that's where they're calling everybody names so they don't have to debate them to begin with. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But when you hear me saying, like, oh, wow, this Politico stuff. Oh, wow. DNC is now giving media outlets permission to report something about Biden that we've all known to be true for three years. Again, we knew, we knew, we knew. Three years ago, that his son got paid by Burisma. We knew the laptop was real. We knew the son's business partners had testified that the laptop was real and Biden was getting a cut of the money. So if they're reporting old information as if it's new information, it's because somebody's given them position, you know, permission to do so. Okay, and that's the moment and that's the point I'm trying to make right now is that, one, there is a political hit job out on Biden. They don't want him on the ticket. He very well may remain on the ticket. We're on the precipice of World War Three. It's kind of hard to yank the guy off, especially if the guy doesn't want to go to begin with. But the other reality and the bigger point I'm trying to make to you is I'm not saying this is like a right wing agitator. I don't care when the show's over. 
Okay, I'm going to go home, play video games with my son and watch Monday Night Football. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not an activist. But if you've got a compromised president, you've got a compromised country. And if you've got surrogates in the media protecting somebody just so they can get elected, you might think it's convenient to you in the short term because you root for that party. But if you're like me and you're rooting for the country as a whole, you realize that if this becomes the standard operating procedure, okay, it doesn't benefit any of us in the long run. Because if you're getting people into office who are compromised and have no ability to lead us, you are going to wind up with a situation where we all suffer as a consequence. So here's James Comer on Sunday Morning Futures talking about the fact that subpoenas from the Oversight Committee are imminent for the Bidens. Clip 32. Well, I think the subpoenas are imminent. I think this is going to be a big week. I don't think the average person can imagine how many different checking accounts the president's son had. And considering he didn't have a legitimate business, that in itself is an enormous red flag. So once all those come in, I think you're going to see swift action on on Biden's. And I would I would predict uh, somewhere around two dozen subpoenas uh, in the very near future. Two dozen subpoenas. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. And here's a little more of it. Clip 33. Either Joe Biden got a $240,000 kickback, which he didn't pay taxes on, or Joe Biden actually did make a loan to the family and they paid him back through proceeds of influence peddling Hmm. and 40,000 of that being the 10% from that CEFC deal where Joe Biden was the big guy. Either way, Joe Biden's $240,000 better off because of his family's criminal activity. You know, people ask me why I haven't put someone in jail yet. All I can do is investigate. The House of Representatives can determine whether or not to impeach. But at the end of the day, we're going to need an attorney general who does the right thing and prosecutes people according to the law and doesn't have a two-tier system of justice. And I can't promise you that's actually going to happen. Okay, the attorney general, Merrick Garland, has gone out of his way to prioritize Democrats in this moment. But in terms of the protection racket the media was engaged in for Biden, that game is over. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa, Stacey Abrams making the media rounds yesterday. Stacey Abrams is full of Stacey Abrams says she is not done with politics yet. Not over. I think she misunderstood when her doctor told her she needs to run more. But stick with me. Here's Abrams saying that any criticisms of Kamala Harris are clearly due to race and misogyny. Clip 31. As a prominent woman of color who's run for office, do you think she would be receiving these same critiques if she was a white man? No. No, not at all. We will always question the person behind the person, but we cannot ignore that misogyny and racism remain very prevalent in our politics. And for those behaviors that don't rise to either misogyny or racism, there's also just the difference. Our expectations are set for the traditional white male vice president. She's what it's always been. It's what it's always been. We are not always great with new. 
but more importantly, I know if you filter through the critiques, if you think about how she is castigated, there it is inextricably linked to race and gender. That was embarrassing. Okay, if we were so racist and we were so misogynist, how'd she get elected in the first place? I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is Stacey Abrams is full of because she makes it sound like we're racist and we're misogynist. You know, it's you know, it's all these racist Republicans, America, white vice presidents. But Kamala Harris ran for the presidency as a Democrat. And the Democrats had her polling at 1% when she dropped out of the race. So if we're Republicans or a bunch of misogynist, racist, white lovers or whatever you're calling us, what the hell does that make the Democrats who had her polling at 1%? Stacey Abrams, race-baiting clown. Introducing Dementia by Calvin Klein. A fragrance that treats everybody like royalty. God save the queen, man. Dementia is bottled exclusively at the White House. But how they do it is anybody's guess. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Dementia. One whiff and all the ladies will want you. Dead or alive. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Bold. We're changing people's lives. Affordable. Pay them more. Confusing. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to foot him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Dementia by Calvin Klein. Now selling at the White House and coming soon to Nash County, uh, it is a mess in the White House. Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. Joe Biden, uh, in the past hour, has just told his Amtrak story, the one that's not true, two different times in the past hour. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Now, I bring this up. Why? And I'll play you the clips. But the reason I bring it up, so if you've been following this story over the course of the decade that he's been telling it, okay, Biden likes to tell a story about how when he got onto Amtrak as vice president, he was confronted by a man, Angelo, who said, hey, Joey, baby, and the Secret Service got their guns out because the guy was so excited they thought they were going to have to shoot him. And the guy told him the story about how he's done a million miles on Amtrak, more than he's done by plane. And the only problem is the guy, Angelo, okay, who he's addressing in the story, died over 10 years before Biden became vice president. We have a president that is clearly not all there. I have talked about this. This is so bananas. But I have been talking about this on TV since 2021. I've done this on Harris Faulkner's show. I've done it on Fox and Friends. I've done it on Fox and Friends first. I've done it on all the primetime shows. Hey, Biden told the Amtrak story again, and then I got to get out there and make jokes. But it's a sad situation. Okay, but there's nobody, for whatever reason, putting the shock collar around his neck and zapping him whenever he goes into one of these yarns. So here comes the Angelo story part one. Take it away. And so I'm getting on the train, and Secret Service are great guys. 
but they understandably would rather me not ride trains because more things can happen on a train in the distance instead of flying home. And, but I had to come home, see my mom. She was living with me. She was dying. Anyway, so I go to get in the train on a Friday afternoon, and a guy named Manuel, I, won't, I guess I shouldn't say his whole name, but he used to be number two on the road. And he walked up, he goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek. <laughs> and I thought they were going to shoot him. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, what's the story? And he said, I just read a million, 200,000 miles, big deal. Biden's lost his marbles. Now, again, that story, that story has been fact-checked by CNN, of all people. But he told it again later in the hour. Take it away, Josh. And I said, what's it mean, Angie? He said, look, he said, we just had the retirement dinner. Up in Newark. He said, you know how many miles you traveled on Amtrak? And I said, no. He said, a million. I think it was 320,000 miles. And I said, how'd you figure that? He said, well, 118 days a year, almost 300 miles a day, 36 years, plus his wife. And he went on the whole deal. And I said, I believe you. He said, let me get in the train, will you? I mean. Have you ever had a checkup? Okay, I'm just going to read you some CNN headlines so you don't think this is like some Fox News guy. Trying to get you mad at a Democratic president. I don't care. Okay, I'm a radio host. We're just having a conversation. I just want it to be an honest conversation. June 30th, 2021, CNN. Fact check. Biden keeps repeating a false story about an Amtrak conductor. Here's CNN, August 16th, 2023. Fact check. Biden tells three false personal anecdotes about his relationship with Amtrak conductor. Fact-checked, April 30th, 2021. Biden uses his long history with Amtrak to put a personal touch on a false story. (laughs) CNN fact-checked, January 20th, 2017. Full circle, Joe Biden reflects on his life during a train ride. December 7th, 2020. Amtrak Joe can arrive for his inauguration by train. Folks, he keeps telling this story, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. What do they all have in common, regardless of the year? It's not true. I don't doubt that he's patching together a series of memories to cobble together this little folksy anecdote that he likes to tell on the campaign trail. But people like to say this is attributable to some type of advanced age and cognitive decline. But the truth is, Joe Biden, like him, hate him, doesn't matter. He is a lying sociopath. Okay, Joe Biden, if you remember, going all the way back to 1988. So we're not talking about an old Joe Biden. We're talking about 35 years ago, Joe Biden was forced off the campaign trail when he was running for president back then because of series of lies he told that easily caught up to them. Do you remember this clip? I've played it for you before. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, 
and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse <laughs> Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Joe Biden was victimized by the truth. Bye-bye, Biden. He may not know it yet, but I think this is very going to be very difficult for him to recover. Is Joe Biden dead meat, yes or no? I think so. Folks, that was 1988. 1988, I went to college on a full scholarship. I graduated top half of my class. I graduated 76th out of 85. Okay, think about that. I got three degrees in law. Didn't, he got one. I was voted outstanding male student. So you understand, that was in 1988. So there's only one of two inferences to draw here, okay? Either his memory has been failing him since 1988, which is a real bad sign to think he's president 35 years later, or, you know, guy just happens to be completely full of <laughs> This is the problem for Biden. This happens to men, okay? It's a male thing. I don't know if women do it, but I know men do this, okay? And if women do this, feel free to latch on, but I know men do this. Okay, a lot of guys, they dress fashion-wise to the last year they were cool, to the last year they were of an age where they were considered cool, where they were cool on their social scene, and they hold on to that fashion for the rest of their lives. That's why some of you have dads who go on vacation in Daisy Dukes and, like, high socks and, and like, moccasins. It looked cool uh, in their youth. <laughs> All right, it didn't, but it was in style, so they got away with it. But the point is, Biden, when it comes to technology, okay, he campaigns at the level of technology to when the last time he was like young and cool and happening. When he was new in Washington in the 70s and the 80s, you could go campaign and say anything you wanted in a room full of people in Delaware because they were never going to hear about it in Montana. They were never going to hear about it in California. They were never going to hear about it in Pittsburgh. They were never going to hear about it in New York. Whatever you said in the room was going to stay in the room. So we didn't have 24-hour cable news and we didn't have social media. So people weren't filming every word that came out of your mouth and then contrasting it against other speeches you had given on the same subject in other locations. But as technology advanced, the fact that Biden was willing to say anything to anyone in a given circumstance ultimately caught up with him in the fact that he might not have remembered the lives he told, but the videotapes did. And that's how you worked your way to that crescendo in 1988 where they were like, this guy is a lying sociopath, and he has to go. But unfortunately, he's still in politics 35 years later, and he still has all of those bad habits, the ones that tell you it's okay to get out there and continuously tell this story about Amtrak, despite the fact that CNN, of all places, has debunked it on at least five different occasions. The man is insane. He's not responsible for himself. I mean, five different occasions. And he's still telling it. And there's nobody in the White House to stop him because at some point, and this is the problem, you can give him a note card. You can write stage direction on the teleprompter. But at some point, you have to let go of the bicycle and let him pedal on his own. And we've all seen him pedal a bicycle on his own. This could be a problem. Okay, he's crashed that too. But the point I'm trying to make is when he is speaking untethered, 
Okay, if it's not a spokesperson speaking for him, if he's not reading directly off a teleprompter, you're going to get these lies. You're going to get these little stories that maybe you can tell me he misremembered or his memory is escaping him. But he's been telling this story since he was a lot younger. Okay, Joe Biden became Barack Obama's vice president in January of 2009. I don't remember that ever happening. And the guy had been dead for years before that. So now you're sitting here 14 years later and he's still telling the same story. In fact, he just told it twice in the last hour. But tell me again how he's definitely running in 2024. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, in the next hour, 888-788-9910. Tommy Laren is coming by. Uh, I'm in a chippy mood. Uh, tonight, I am at Chelsea Music Hall with Kat Timpf, Kennedy, and Dr. Drew. It's a live episode of Ask Dr. Drew. If you're in the tri-state area, you want to see me in action, it is not a stand-up gig. I am going to be on the panel uh, dishing out advice, having a little chit-chat, a little State of the Union. With old Dr. Drew and his lovely wife, Susan Pinsky. That is at 8.30 at the Chelsea Music Hall. But right now, I am here with you doing the dang thing on the radio. 888-788-9910. Bit of a campus roundup coming in the next hour because we've had more protests and we've had more donors who just aren't taking it anymore. Bill Ackman up at Harvard, not cutting checks. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I got to be honest, man. Like, if I was donating to my alma mater of Nassau Community College and they were chanting, like, you know, death to the guys who dress like overweight figure skaters on cable news, like, that's me. I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably not going to cut them checks anymore. It doesn't sound like they have my best interest at heart. Well, if you are a, Jew- a Jewish mega donor to these top universities and they're now hooting and hollering from the river to the sea, which is not exactly a term of endearment. Uh, you might think twice about giving him more of your money. I think he's got a point. Fascinating. What a dumb time there is to be alive. Uh, but one of the guys who made the media rounds over the weekend happens to be a former president. And I am talking about Barack Obama, who, I got to tell you, if you follow Middle East politics, did one of the dumbest things in the history of this country when he sent $50 billion in cash assets to Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. That's Use your common sense. Of course it is. But here is Obama uh, doing a live episode of Pod Save America, which is, of course, a podcast very popular, hosted by guys who worked within his administration, who's trying to talk about the Middle East and, you know, the issue of complexity and everything in between. But ultimately, what he tries to claim in the end is that we are all complicit in what's happening in the Middle East. No, we're not. Okay, none of us supported Hamas. None of us supported giving money to to Iran. Okay, none of us supported swapping five American hostages for five Iranian hostages, along with six billion dollars, which is what we sent over to Iran. Okay, but anyway, here's Biden and or anyway, Obama 
uh, trying to sugarcoat this whole thing and make it sound a little more complex, and maybe he had nothing to do with it, and maybe we shouldn't be so emphatic on one side or the other. Let's start here, clip seven. If there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas, that, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is, is unbearable. Okay, so what he's trying to do there in threading that conversational needle is he's saying, hey, what Hamas did was horrific, and it was. So concede that point, okay, and there is no justification for it. But he's trying to tell you, but what's also true is the occupation, what's happening to the Palestinians is unbearable, okay, is he's basically trying to say there is a little bit of an equivalence here, so you can't be so quick to condemn. And the truth is he's wrong about that. Okay, here is the rest of Obama saying nobody's hands are clean, clip nine. You then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? I've got the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? That's the conversation we should be having, not just looking backwards, but looking forward. And, and that can't happen if we are confining ourselves to our outrage. I would rather see you out there talking to people, including people who you disagree with. If you genuinely want to change this, then you've got to figure out how to speak to somebody on the other side and listen to them and understand what... They are talking about... Now, listen to me. I will applaud him for that. You do have to talk to the other side. He's not wrong about that. And that's a sad reality of right now is we're having two completely different conversations. Everybody's just screaming at each other. But when he says that, you know, nobody's hands are clean, okay, what he's trying to do is create an amnesty Okay, for the way he handled and inflamed tensions in the Middle East. By not being a close ally of Israel, he emboldened Iran. Iran is the biggest state sponsor of proxy attacks in the region and the world for that matter. Okay, were enriched by Obama's policies, by the idea that they would take $50 billion in cash assets from us and banks around the world in exchange for a promise that they wouldn't enrich uranium. So the people who are vowing death to America. Okay, we gave them $50 billion in exchange for essentially a pinky swear that they wouldn't continue to hate us. And guess what they wound up doing? They hated us. Okay, well, what they also wound up doing is their side chicks. But the point is, okay, when you talk about Obama wading back into this, okay, he's only wading back into this if you've been following the reports about how he spent the last five months guiding the White House about its policies towards AI is because he is guiding the party as a whole. He is crafting the Democratic message, which means he's probably behind the scenes crafting who the person giving that message is going to be. Because if David Axelrod is out there tweeting that it's time for Obama to, uh, Biden to get off the ticket, he's probably speaking out on behalf of his boss, Obama. We'll get into that with Tommy Lahren in the next hour. 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You bet it is. And here we go. Back in action. Got a big hour coming up on Fox Across America. An audio safe space for cool people. We say that every day. If you're cool, you can talk about the issues. You can take them seriously without taking yourself seriously. Then you're welcome. You're all a part of the shindig. That is the only rule of the show. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. No, ma'am. But absent that, like if you run on the joke, you live in the greatest country in the world, you've got American privilege. You're doing okay for yourself if you live in this country by comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's a mess right now. I don't know that we're playing championship ball. Uh, But the point is, if you can coexist as it says on the back of all those Subarus that don't actually want to coexist with people who disagree with them. Uh, but if you could actually coexist, uh, you are welcome here on the show. 888-788-9910. You know the rules. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a I'm in a good mood. I just saw the first screener copy of my stand-up comedy special. It is coming out the first week of January. And I got to be honest, man, uh, it looks pretty damn good. No, it does look good. It actually looks good. It's unfortunate, though, because you sit there and you watch it. When you're watching yourself, all you want to do is edit yourself. Like, suck it in, fatso! Something like that is basically how you react to it the first time around. I'm actually really looking forward to watching it the second time so I can just peacefully watch it and not edit it. But you, uh, you the supporter of this show, you the Fox fan and patron, uh, will be able to see it in the first week of January on Fox Nation. We'll have all those details when they're ready. But right now, uh, we just got to see the screener copy today, and everybody was pretty excited about it. So I will drink to that. Uh, If you'd like to drink with me, we're heading back out on the road this week. I've been home all fall watching Lincoln play high school football. Now I've got to get back on the road and pay off some of those gambling debts. Uh, I will be at the Stanley Theater in Utica this Saturday night with Kennedy. It is Saturday night, November the 11th. Then I will be down in Nashville at the Grand Old Opry for the Patriot Awards. Next Thursday, November the 16th, uh, you will see me opening the show and handing it off to Pete Hegseth before the live broadcast. Next Saturday and uh, Friday and Saturday, I'm in Naples, Florida at the Off the Hook Comedy Club. It is Friday, November the 17th, Saturday night the 18th. And then, of course, we will be heading out to the Carson Nugget December the 2nd. Check that one out in Carson, Nevada. It's going to be a banger. Then December 9th, we are at Texas Music City right there in Tyler, Texas, KTBB listeners. And then December the 16th, the Palm Beach Kennel Club down in Palm Beach, Florida. But right now, I'm here with you on the radio doing what I do best, which is sucking it in in front of the Fox Nation cameras that are staring at me right now. Oh, man, it is not pretty. That boy is a P-I-G pig. Stop it. I'm eating good right now. But uh, let's hold it together for a few more minutes and talk about this college situation because what's happening now on college campuses is a lot of donors have kind of caught wind of the fact that they've been sending millions of dollars to these big schools like Harvard who have in turn been using that money to hire tons and tons of administrators, and activists who share a worldview that might not necessarily be their own. Okay, Bill Ackman, billionaire, you've probably heard all about him by now. We've been covering him quite extensively, uh, wrote a letter to Harvard's president on Twitter. Uh, In it, he says, I am writing this letter to you regretfully, uh, to Harvard President Claudine Gay for sending a clear message that the eliminationist and anti-Semitic statements of the protesters are permissible on campus. So what he's upset about is the fact that, according to the letter, Jewish students are being bullied, physically intimidated, spat on, and in several widely disseminated videos of one such incident, physically assaulted. He is talking about the October 12th video 
okay, where a kid is surrounded and being chanted and shame and cut off and shoved and hit on his way to class. They have very much, in the reductive language of identity politics, created a permissive environment where people who believe, however ill-informed they might be, people who believe they're standing up for some type of oppressed party are now empowered to think that they have any right when it comes to standing up for those people. That is a fact check false. Meaning, well, I support the Palestinians and they're oppressed. Ergo, someone who disagrees with me can be hit. They can be denied entry to class. They can be surrounded and chanted and cut off as they try to get across campus. They now believe that's okay because they're standing up for some type of oppression. But the reality is most of the people involved in these protests have no idea what they're talking about. They're idiots. Okay, I played you a video on Friday that I can play you again where people who support Hamas are being asked to sign a petition. Okay, the group is called Facts for Peace. Okay, and they were talking about the views of Hamas you'd be endorsing by standing up for that group. And, of course, a lot of the people, when confronted with these realities, go, yeah, I don't know, maybe I don't support them. But it just goes to show you how hundreds of thousands of people are surrounded uh, or all over the country right now anyway, screaming and chanting on behalf of Palestine and Hamas, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Okay, here is Facts for Peace, clip 21. Doing a, a quick petition to help Hamas free Palestine. Uh, you're all in? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah, you're in? Easy. I just have to read terms and conditions just so okay. you, know, you know what you're signing. Okay. By supporting Hamas freeing Palestine, you agree to the following. You agree that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered. I don't know about that one. You endorse making homosexuality punishable by jail or death. Oh, no, no, I don't. You don't agree with that? You believe Iran should use Palestinians as puppets to spread radical jihad and destroy the West? No? No. I'm glad I read the terms yeah. and agreements. You support strict Sharia law, which bans women from showing their knees, hair, playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission. I'm sorry. I'm not interested? Oh, okay. Wow. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. So you understand, if you support Hamas really quickly, okay, then you're agreeing that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered. That's the Hamas doctrine. Okay, homosexuality punishable by death. That's the Hamas doctrine. Sharia law bans women from showing their knees, hair, or playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission. So you understand, okay, most of the people on college campuses standing up for Hamas wouldn't be allowed out in public if they were in Hamas-controlled territory. Okay, if you're a woman, cover your face and shut up and go home until a man says you have permission to leave the house. That's what you're supporting. If you're a homosexual, keep that to yourself because they will kill you for being gay in Gaza. But when you sprinkle a little identity politics onto the conversation and go, somebody is oppressed, they all come running out because they want the likes on social media. No, we're the good people. Listen, here are protesters in Washington, D.C. over the weekend where they stormed the White House, tried to scale the fence, put blood-covered handprints all over the gates to symbolize the White House has blood on its hands, defaced statues. Here are the protesters calling for an intifada in Washington, D.C. Now, if you're familiar with the term intifada, we've played you these chants in the past. It's the support for a military action against Jewish civilians to rid them from the region. Clip 18. Intifada! Intifada! 
surrounded by idiots. Long live the Intifada. That's what they're chanting. These are, you know, again, people who go to big schools like Harvard and get taught, and it's so crazy. But it's like the more money you pay for college now, the dumber you become. Because you're being taught this other, it's this bizarre worldview where everything should be reduced to skin color. Where, well, Hamas has to be right because they're the darker-skinned people. That's the argument here. That's essentially what they're telling you here. Israel's an oppressor. Okay, they're committing genocide. Bill Maher said this last week, and he deserves credit for this. They have misappropriated the word genocide. Israel is not trying to get rid of Muslims. You want to know how we know this? There are two million Muslims living peacefully inside Israel. He knows what he's talking about. Two million Muslims just living there, happy to be there, treated like a million bucks, because Israel is not trying to eliminate an entire race of people. They're trying to get Hamas to stop beheading civilians. It seems like a pretty reasonable goal to me, but let's hear Bill Maher articulate why they've misappropriated this word, clip six. I remember when when the woke had- took over the word violence and things that weren't violent or but like words that's violent it's not violence yeah like words in a script that isn't violence it could possibly incite violence but you could say that about a lot of things now they've done it with this word genocide it has a very specific meaning and they just throw it around willy-nilly it you know homicide to kill your fellow man, fratricide, to kill your brother, patricide, suicide. These all have very specific meanings on who we're killing. That's the side part of it. Genocide means you're trying to kill the entire race of people. Israel has never, if they wanted to, they could. They're not doing that. So this word genocide, it's got to stop. So there you go. And give Bill Maher credit for that, okay, because he's right. They've taken the word genocide and they're running with it. But Israel is not out there trying to wipe people off the face of the earth because of their religion or their ethnicity. That's not happening. Okay, you know who's trying to do that? The head of Hamas. Okay, here he is speaking through a translator about how Israel has no place and must be taught a lesson, clip five. Israel is a country that has no place on our land. We must remove that country because it constitutes a security, military, and political catastrophe to the Arab and Islamic nation and must be finished. We are not ashamed to say this with full force. We must teach Israel a lesson, and we will do this again and again. The Al-Aqsa flood is just the first time, and there will be a second, a third, a fourth, because we have the determination, the resolve, and the capabilities to fight. You hear that? Again and again and again. These are not people who want to coexist. They're not interested in a two-state solution. They're flat out telling you they've got to go. We don't want them around. Okay, that's what you're dealing with here. And when college campuses are supporting that ideology, you would imagine the donors are going to be like, gee, this seems like a dumb thing to spend our money on. Like, I've spent my money on some really dumb things over the years, you guys. But I've never once written a check to people who wanted to blow me up. You know, but if you are a Jewish mega donor to an Ivy League school right now and this is all you're hearing from the campus, at some point you are going to put the check writing pen back into its holster. And that's what colleges are running into now. So they're trying to thread the needle of, well, how do we keep the donor money coming in without pissing off all the anti-Semites? 
And that's where the Democrats find themselves heading into the 2024 election. Okay, here is, and this is a funny one, okay, Rashida Tlaib warning Joe Biden, okay, that they're going to remember in 2024 if he supports Israel too much. This is clip 10. Mr. President, the American people are not with you on this one. remember in 2024 whoa that is her saying biden will remember this in 2024 are you threatening me sir yes you are here's premier jayapal from the state of washington huskies went again beat usc over the weekend they're playing some good football out there but uh they're not doing some good congressing out there here is representative jayapal telling biden he's in great trouble for 2024 clip 14 I think it is important to recognize that we have a very divided country, as you well know. You have Mm -hmm. said that polls really don't reflect where people are. I agree with you. But I will tell you, this is the first time, Jen, that I have felt like the 2024 election is in great trouble for the president and for our democratic control, which is essential to moving forward, because these young people... Muslim Americans, Arab Americans, but also young people see this conflict as a moral conflict yeah. and a moral yeah. crisis. And they, they are not going to be brought back to the table easily with, um, you know, if we do not address this. What would you do with a brain if you had one? OK, she's not lying, though, when she says a lot of these young kids, OK, want this spoken to. You know who these young kids are? They're the same people who wanted to defund the police. Correct the mundo. Was that an intelligent idea? The answer would be no. No, it wasn't. So this is the problem right now in our society. The people screaming the loudest are the ones who get the most attention, but the people screaming the loudest are often idiots who take on these causes because they're fashionable and they're trendy, but they're not particularly well-versed in what any of these causes would mean. Okay? Defunding the police Folks, the police, you know, the ones who protect us. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Of course it is. Okay, because you cannot have a society without police. Look, if you hate cops just because of the cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. And the point is, you could want bad cops to be held accountable. But do you know what every one of those defund the police Democrats has in common? is if they happen to wind up in a situation where their life is in danger, the first thing they're doing is calling the police. Bingo, man, bingo. Okay, just the same as if any of them wound up in Gaza with blue hair and a pierced nose, or you were transgender or gay, or you're a woman, or you're a lesbian, you're a gender studies major. If you showed up to Hamas, okay, in Gaza with that worldview, the first thing you'd want to do is call the police. Unfortunately, in this instance, the only police that would protect you are the same Hamas people that you thought you cared about till you realized they didn't share your views. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon, Tommy Laren. 
coming up in the next break. Now, it's not every day we get to applaud Bernie Sanders on this show, a guy who travels the world lecturing people about the evils of capitalism while making tens of millions of dollars selling books. What a fraud! He's actually a genius if people are dumb enough to pay for this type of take. Pay up, suckers! But here is Bernie admitting the obvious, uh, that we cannot have a ceasefire with Hamas. This is clip 13. Well, I don't know how you can have a ceasefire, permanent ceasefire, with an organization like Hamas, which is dedicated to turmoil and chaos and destroying the state of Israel. And I think what the Arab countries in the region understand, that Hamas has got to go. Thank you. I admire your honesty. And he's not wrong when he says the Arab officials in the region understand that. They're not abandoning the Abraham Accords, okay, in Saudi Arabia. They want normalized relations with Israel because Israel isn't a terror threat. They aren't a terror exporter. They are not just randomly bombing civilians in the middle of a day. I understand there's a war going on and Hamas uses civilians as human shields and they put their military installations into densely populated areas because they want civilian casualties as their currency to be used against Israel in the media war that's ensuing right now over moral, you know, moral supremacy or or whatever you want to call it. But the point is, when you look at a guy like Bernie Sanders, when you hear somebody like Nancy Pelosi saying you can't have a ceasefire, Hillary Clinton said you can't have a ceasefire. Again, these are not people I normally agree with, but they are people to their credit that understand We had a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. We were engaged in a ceasefire on the very day that Hamas paraglided into Israel and killed everybody at a rave. So does Hamas sound like the type of folks that observe the terms of a ceasefire? The answer would be no. Never mind the fact that every single one of these Democrats that's out there calling for a ceasefire isn't even demanding that we get our hostages back in order to do it. And it doesn't get any dumber than that, okay? They're not going to listen to the ceasefire. We're not going to get anything out of it. So why would we do it other than to tell the world how stupid we are? It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up to bring this next guest back. She's joining us on the phone because I don't want to put up with her in my studio. But she's the superstar host of Tommy Laren is Fearless on OutKick. The great Tommy Laren returns to the show. Tommy. Great to talk to you. And, you know, in about a week's time, you're going to be here in my city. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to it, Jimmy. I don't know about Nashville. They're telling me that they weren't excited for you to come. But <laughs> I personally am. <laughs> you're excited. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I sense a hint of sarcasm. I think you and I have soured. Uh, but I'll continue to have you on the show because I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm kidding. How are you, pal? I'm doing well. It's it's a beautiful day in Nashville. I'm going to keep the weather uh, warm for you guys. I'm keeping the homeless people off the streets so that you guys have a different experience than you do in New York. <laughs> so I'm excited. It doesn't smell like pee here. Whoa. So if you want the comforts of home, I can probably make that happen, you know, to some extent. But right now it's smelling good. The sun is shining. There's no smog. You guys are going to have a great time in Nashville. Dude, if, if I don't, yeah, I was just going to tell you, you're bringing down a lot of New Yorkers. If we can't smell weed every three feet, we're going to be out of sorts, Tommy. 
Whiskey here, uh, no weed though. Very wow. limited amounts of weed here in Nashville. Wow, that but is... whiskey, lots of whiskey. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, we're pumped up next week. I'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, it would be. Uh, I I I love it every time I'm down there because it's such like a stampeding herd of happiness. Like Nat, wouldn't you say that Nashville is the best mood city you've ever been to in terms of the like the collective vibe? Yeah, Nashville's got a great vibe. But, I mean, this is – we call it Nash Vegas for mm-hmm. a reason, right? So yeah. we're excited here. We've got country music. We've got, you know, bachelorettes taking over our city on pedal taverns. <laughs> so it's hard not to be, in you know, in good spirits when this is a party town. So yeah. I hope that you guys can just live it to the fullest and uh, be here in Nashville and, and just enjoy the bachelorettes, really. You'll see a lot of them. <laughs> I love the I love the bachelorette bicycles because it's if people who are listening aren't familiar with them, it's basically like eight women on a beer powered bicycle. It's a circle bicycle. It runs on booze. They drink and pedal at the same time. Have I described this accurately so far? Yes, but there's a lot of nuance to the pedal yes. taverns because you'll see, you know, you have your groups of, of bachelorettes that are in their you know early 20s and yeah. you're going to be hearing a lot of Cardi B, that kind of music. And then there's some older ladies. You know, mid fifties sometimes, and they're pretty much like Sweet Caroline. That's uh, what they what they listen to. So there's a, there's a lot of diversity when it comes to the pedal tavern flavors. <laughs> but you want to know something? Uh, it's the women in the fifties. That's the bike you want to hang out with because none of them wind up crying and throwing up on the streets. That's the twenty year old, is it not? Well, I hate to disappoint you, but I, I've seen some 50 to 60-year-old women that Nashville got the best of them. So I will just have to let you observe for yourself, Jimmy. I'm sure you can find them. Oh, that is amazing. Tommy Laren is on the line. We're having a grown-up talk. She is the senior tourism ambassador to the great uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, she also knows a lot about politics. So give me this. If Barack Obama's top advisor, David Axelrod, says uh, it's time for Biden to get off the ticket, does that mean Biden's going to be riding a circular bicycle in Nashville soon? I don't think he can ride a regular bicycle, as has been <laughs> evidenced. But, uh, you know, I've been saying this, Jimmy. You know I've been saying it for so long. Everyone's going to jump on that bandwagon. I love that we're sticking with the transportation theme. But <laughs> everyone's going to be jumping on that bandwagon like, oh, no, it's not going to be Joe. It's not going to be Joe. And I'm like, yes, I know. I've been saying it for nine months. It's not going to be Joe. It's going to be Gavin Newsom. He was just in China last week. Week mm-hmm. before that, he was in Israel. I mean, tell us you're running without telling us you're running, making a world tour here like you're Taylor Swift, buddy. <laughs> Gavin Newsom's now dating uh, one of the Kelsey brothers. <laughs> Whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. Um, well, you know what? The fact that you say it's Newsom, and I agree that it would be Newsom if he steps aside. We know it's not Kamala. There's a lot of people, uh, including our mutual friend Stuart Varney, who thinks Michelle Obama would step in. But I personally don't think Michelle Obama wants anything to do with retail politics. Like, they're sailing around the globe on yachts right now, getting hundreds of millions of dollars in Netflix dollars or whatever the hell else they're getting paid to do. Do you think there's any world where the Obamas want to go shake hands with the little people again? No, not not at all. You know, I still believe that Barack Obama is still running a shadow government yeah. as Joe is currently supposedly running the government. But no, I don't think it's going to be Michelle Obama. Now, would she be somewhat of a threat? Yeah, absolutely she would because a lot of people like her. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's no way.
No, I agree with you. Uh, I don't, I just again, it's a the lifestyle they have right now is you know they're flying around the world making a million dollars for a speech. They're hanging out on mega yachts with like Bono and Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I listen. I love fried food. I'd go to the Iowa State Fair every day of the week if Fox would let me. But I don't think the the Obamas want to go hang out with the butter cow for six months. I just don't. Um, let me ask you this though. Uh, in terms of the other thing we're dealing with is obviously the 2024 race, but then we've just got this reality of like the chaos in America. I'm sure you saw these protests over the weekend. Did it look a little shades of 2020 when people were attacking the White House Saturday night? Listen, this they might as well just flip the sign from free Palestine to justice for George Floyd to, you know, climate justice, stop oil to yeah. occupy Wall Street. I mean, I said it on my show today, but these are all the same people, my mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. These are just, you know, a different a different season, a different odd color of hair. They just want to be in the streets doing something. And it's because in the last several years, Pokemon Go is not a thing anymore. <laughs> so in order to get their interaction, they have to go protest something or, you know, desecrate a monument. So this is where we are. <laughs> Tommy Laird is on the line. She just invented an app. It would be called like Protest Go. I love this. You can go out and get social justice points if you show up at each one of these. I, I actually think there's gold. There's gold in these hills. Yeah, um, don't tell George Soros. And if you do, I would also like a cut. Um, <laughs> we can go in on it. We can have a three-way divide uh, with George Soros there. You on know, protest go. But I'm telling you, it'd be lucrative. <laughs> we have to go on like we have to go on Shark Tank. I think that's the answer is we got to we got to go pitch some of this stuff. Uh, listen, I, th- I see the I see the unrest and I know it's creating like a political liability within the party, too, uh, which brings me back to the Biden thing is half not. I don't want to say half of his party, but a, a good portion of the Democratic Party is pro Hamas and Biden's losing Arab support. Uh, he's losing the black vote. So I don't know. This could be the thing. Like if they were going to get Biden off the ticket, they have to do it like so soon right now. Uh, but you you believe it'll happen. Yes, I absolutely do. You know, I've said by around Halloween time. So we're just a little bit beyond that now. But all the Sunday shows yesterday, you had Democrat consultants, operatives, whatever, everywhere saying, oh, Joe's not polling well. We're worried about Joe. I mean, listen. They wouldn't be going on and saying those things if they weren't priming the pump to get rid of him. They would be sitting there saying he was the greatest and they can't wait for him to run. But they're not saying that because they know that the time is coming for them to push him to the side. So you're this is it seems like the Democratic Party is in shambles right now. But don't be fooled. They've been planning this since day one. It's just now coming together. Wow. That's I, I, I wouldn't nothing at this point, like nothing would surprise me. The only thing I'm kind of taken back by, given the state of the country, is like America is the fattest country on Earth. You would think with all the marching we're doing, we'd have a skinnier left wing of the country by now. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I'm glad that they're getting their, you know, their exercise out there. Um, I'm not sure why that's not translating. I think it's less about that. It's just all these people, you know, you look at them and they all just look miserable. They all just look just very unhappy. Um, And you'd think they got their guy in office. You know, they've got they've got the Hamas caucus firmly installed within their party and in leadership positions and being, you know, focal points of their movement. But they're still just always so angry. And I don't know what it is. Maybe they don't spend enough time in Nashville. I'm not sure, but there's something wrong there because none of them look happy. No, they don't. Listen, I like I, I think it 
comes back to the app, okay? I think if we actually made that app, okay, it would give these people more of a purpose because, as you said earlier, and this is the key piece of analysis here, it's that it's not about the cause. It's about the lifestyle of being like, I'm protesting. I'm here to better the world. Even though it's all garbage, you know, the people chanting defund the police are the people chanting, you know, from the river to the sea, and they support Hamas. I think your app would give them purpose, and it might save the country. Like, Tommy, get off. I'm not even just saying that because I want to rush you off the phone like usual. I'm saying that because I think you got money to make, girlfriend. That's it. Uh, I hope that's not my contribution is, you know, a meetup no. place for, for weirdos to vandalize historical monuments. <laughs> but, you know, they're doing it anyway, so I guess I might as well get a cut. Get that money, girlfriend. We're going to need some drinking money in Nashville. Uh, I will be in touch. I'll be down there next week. I'm excited. Well, safe travels, and uh, I will warn Music City that you are on your way. <laughs> You're the best. All right, Tommy Laren. I'll see you in your hood. Be good. All right. There she goes. Thank the great you. Tommy Laren. Watch her on Tommy Laren is Fearless on OutKick. She does not care. She talks a lot of smack about me, but we're actually fantastic uh, friends behind the scenes. You are so full of sh- No, we are. Actually, every green room I ever walk into and see her in, is, it's, I'm better for, for being there. We always have good laughs and uh, a lot of dark jokes. But there's a lot of weird analysis right now about the 2024 election or about all these dumb protesters. But I was like dead serious when the most, you know, throwaway moment of that interview, her and the app, you actually could probably do something good with that just to give these people. Because right now what they're doing on social media is it is a Pokemon Go. They're going from protest to protest. They're changing their profile pictures. Look, I've got the Ukrainian flag. Look, I support Hamas. Look, I defunded the police. Look, I got rid of Aunt Jemima. But does any of that stuff do us any good in the world? The answer would be no. Nothing's better. Everything's worse since everybody became a part-time activist. The whole world is so divided and contentious and bitter and angry and disgusted. Like, it really is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. So if she could harness that into an app, not that I think it's going to go there, it might give us, you know, a little more perspective in that the people doing this might actually look back and realize they were doing it more for the lifestyle than they were for the cause. I say that all the time. When you talk about something like cancel culture, okay, they're not there for the cause. They're there for the control. Behave the way we want you to or we'll get you fired. But ultimately, the way they want you to behave is always in line with some type of political ideology. That's why we just spent like two years Throwing people like Riley Gaines off college campuses. Riley Gaines flat out said what? She said, hey, there are biological differences between men and women and that men have a big advantage over women when it comes to competing in athletics. And for that, they told us it was a transgenocide. That is a that's a transgenocide. I want to compete against people of the same biological gender that we're told is a genocide. But when college kids get out there and chant that they want to kill all the Jews, they're like, well, it's complicated. It's a little more nuanced. You know, there's a lot to the situation. You can't just get out there and call it hate speech. okay? but if someone says they'd like to jump into a swimming pool without having to see a male dong in the locker room while they're changing. But seriously, that's considered hate speech. This is the dumbest time there's ever been for anyone to be alive. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. 
The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing. We are in the bottom of the ninth. I'll be taking my radio talents over to TV. I will be on the bottom line with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy in the 6 p.m. hour. Uh, then tomorrow, hoo, 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 we got a banner day on this show. Dana Perino will be here. Uh, Emily Campagno in the house, Brian Brenberg as well. But as we round third and head for home, as the kids say, here is Bill Maher. I listen. Anytime I get to shout out any liberal, I appreciate it because I don't want this show to be like a one-note attack machine where I'm just screaming on behalf of the conservative cause all day of the Republican Party. The truth is, I think both parties suck right now. Uh, but Bill Maher talking about the anti-Semitism in this country, and uh, here he is over the weekend doing a good job of standing his ground, which is not a popular thing to do on the left right now. Clip nineteen. It's got to be something about the Jews themselves, because there are other people around the world who are oppressed. There are other colonized places, not that Israel colonized anything. But why this one place, why does this arouse, especially among young people? I mean, the young people who hated Trump because he, he wouldn't condemn the people with the tiki torches, talking about Jews. You're the ones with the tiki torches now. I don't think... He's telling that he's being honest with these people. And just to be clear, when they say that Trump didn't condemn the people with the tiki torches. That is a fact check false. Here is Trump's comments in Charlottesville. And you had people and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Okay, and the press has treated them absolutely unfairly now in the other group also you had some fine people but you also had troublemakers and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats you got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group too so you understand what trump is saying there okay was ultimately misrepresented by the media as donald trump simply said well there's good people on both sides <laughs> He didn't say that. He said, you have people. And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists. They should be condemned totally. Has the media ever represented those portion of his remarks and their framing of the story? The answer would be no. And this is where it's such a danger to the country to not have honest conversations because people on the left, their emotions are their facts. They go, oh, Trump just said there's fine people on both sides. Get over it. Democrats are so full of crap. Okay, and they're rebelling and freaking out and screaming and lighting society on fire based on their own bastardized interpretation of what Trump said. Bill Maher is out there bastardizing it with them. So even though I'm giving him credit for being honest about the characterization coming from the left right now, you understand it's the people who misrepresented Trump's words, which are never perfect. Trump's all over the map, throws a lot of wild pitches. Okay, but at the same time, the people who told you they were the ones for tolerance, they were the ones dealing with a rise in anti-Semitism on the right, and they were the only ones who could save us, they're now the ones out in the streets 
calling for the eradication of Israel on behalf of the people of Hamas, a people that doesn't even support them or their own right to exist. Okay, that's why we're living, as I say all the time, it's like the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. Yo, there has never been a dumber time to be alive, ever, 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 than the one you find yourself in right now. So when I get on the air every day, and I say this every day, like to the point of exhaustion, you're like, all right, dude. You're like someone put a cassette in a Teddy Ruxpin. Just let it play on loop all day. Say something else, fatso. But when I talk to you about just the need to be cool, it's true. Like I tweeted this Saturday. Okay, we don't need more Republicans. We don't need more Democrats. We just need less a-holes. That's all we need right now. Because no one is even listening to themselves talk anymore. The people who spent four years on the left telling you you're a Nazi are now aligned with the side the Nazis would absolutely positively support. Okay, if Hitler were alive today and had to choose between Israel or the people in Hamas who want to wipe Israel off the map, I got a newsflash, girlfriend. He ain't putting on his Israeli jersey. He's rooting for Team Hamas. It's a dumb time to be alive, but you don't have to make it dumber. Just go out and enjoy your life. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.